Hello, and welcome to Cinebraskans, the daily Nebraskan entertainment podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Cruz, and I'm joined by my co-host. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is David Berman. Um, I am uh, the Daily Nebraskans uh, co-COVID editor. Um, so we've been doing uh, some some good coverage on what's been going on with COVID-19 on UNL's campus this semester. Um, and yeah, I also do this cool podcast. And yeah, um, it's just the two of us this week. Mia is off on her own adventures. So yeah, it's just gonna be the two of us. And obviously we're we're recording over Zoom again, just cause we are in different states because we're on break right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm your host, Kyle Cruz. Uh, I mainly just write movie reviews for the DN uh, as well as host this podcast and do some other random things here and there. Um, but yeah, on that note, uh, I suppose we'll just jump into it with our first segment, which is what have I done? What have done, what have done, and what have I done is the segment where we just talk about like what we've been up to this week, what movies or TV or whatever we've been watching. Um, and so, yeah, David, as usual, let's start with you. What have you been watching this week? Yeah, so a few days ago, my sister uh, came home for the holidays and uh, we always love watching some good uh, movie musicals. Um, and so one that I had never seen um, is the Phantom of the Opera movie from 2004. Um, it's directed by Joel Schumacher, who did Batman and Robin, which I think is pretty wild and dumb that they <laughs> let him do this movie after Batman and Robin. Um, and it stars uh, Gerard Butler as the Phantom and Patrick Wilson's like the other love interest guy. And Emmy Rossum is uh, Christine. And yeah, I, you know, without getting, without getting too into my, my musical nerdiness, I, you know, fan of the opera, the music's classic. Uh, you know, like it's, it's obviously like a classic musical, but I don't think it's very good. <laughs> like that's just kind of my general opinion on the show itself in general. Um, yeah, like, yeah, the music's great. I think the spectacle of it's really cool, but the story's just real dumb and the characters are real bad. Um, and I think just the movie, just like, I think seeing it in a stage version is a lot it's just it's a lot easier to forgive all like the dumb plot holes of it because it's you know it's a musical like there's you're kind of just like overwhelmed by everything happening there but in a movie it just does not work for me at all and also they cast pretty much exclusively people who could not sing very well which is really puzzling to me like Gerard Butler's so bad as the Phantom I read he had like never had a like any sort of singing lessons before they cast him and so it just it's just confusing to me because it's not like Gerard Butler is like this massive movie star guy like he's just kind of you know he's 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 a general Hollywood star but he's not this like transcendent actor that you would forgive his bad singing because of his great acting you know so so yeah I you know I I enjoyed it because of the music and just kind of the general cheesiness of it, but everything else I was like, I hate this, so. Yeah, this, uh, this movie is really my only, uh, my only kind of experience with Phantom of the Opera in general. Like I, I watched this movie like once in a middle school like choir class, like it was like after a concert and then like before we were done with the semester, so we just like had a day to kill, so we watched Phantom of the Opera. Um, and yeah, I remember even at the time thinking it wasn't very good um, and being like, why is Gerard Butler the, the Phantom? Um, also, like, 
was Gerard Butler, so I don't really know like what made Gerard Butler a movie star. Like I feel like there's no like specific that's a Gerard Butler movie. Um, there's there was no movie that like put him on the map or anything. And I feel like especially so prior to this movie. So like, was he even a star when they cast him in this, or like did that come at a later point? I, yeah. genu- I genuinely do not know. I don't know. I'm gonna see. Um. Yeah, it doesn't really seem he was Dracula in Dracula 2000 in the in the 2000 version of Dracula, um, and yeah, besides that, he didn't really he he didn't really do anything until Phantom. So maybe like that was kind of his big breakout role. Maybe he was like a famous Australian guy, uh, like maybe he was yeah famous over there. But yeah, Butler Australian. I think so. Yeah, I did not know that. I believe he is. Let me check that. Never mind, he's Scottish. I don't know why I thought he was Australian, <laughs> but he's Scottish, so never mind. I feel um, like uh, being Scottish and being Australian are still like somewhat similar, even though they're like completely opposite sides of the planet, but they're like along the same lines. Like, you, you, you get what I mean? <laughs> I think I do, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it's just weird to me that they cast him when he wasn't a super famous, like take a movie like Les Mis, like Hugh Jackman's cast as Jean Valjean. He's not very good at the singing, but I get why they cast him because he's Hugh Jackman and everyone knows who Hugh Jackman is, but like no one knows who Jared Butler is really. And especially then no one really did. So yeah, it's just weird. I I didn't like it, but I don't like fandom in general. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um... I guess in terms of what I've been watching this week, I've been watching just kind of a variety of stuff. Um, some Christmas movies, some Star Wars stuff. Uh, I started watching uh, one of Dave's recommendations from a few weeks ago. Um, that is um, a- uh, Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun. Um, I'm about like halfway through that first season. I'm just kind of like watching it, like not intently, but like whenever I'm like bored and like, oh, you know what, I'll just throw on an episode of this. Um, and yeah, it's pretty absurd. Um, but I kind of love it. Uh, it's just, it's so just like unpredictable with whatever crazy directions it's going to go. It's just kind of like a skit starts and you think it's one thing. And then by the end of that skit, it's just something completely different. And you're just like, how, how did we get here? Um, and yeah, it's ridiculous and definitely not for everybody, but I think the people that are going to enjoy it are really going to enjoy it. Um, I also have been watching uh, season four of Big Mouth. Um, I'm about done with that. And it's kind of along the same lines of like, yeah, definitely not for everybody. Um, But I am really enjoying this season. Uh, They're going a lot of really interesting directions. And one thing that I've enjoyed about Big Mouth as a whole is even though it's this absurdly raunchy animated cartoon, um, it's not afraid to like tackle like legitimate, like kind of like issues. And I don't know what is... Can you, can you hear this? this I can. <laughs> is that a bird? This no parking sign. Just vibrating? Yeah, I guess there was a car driving by. Anyway. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's absurd, but it's not afraid to tackle like legitimate like, uh, like social issues of the time um, and just like social, social um, kind of like situations that these uh that these middle school characters find themselves in like this 
season introduces a trans character and like just kind of has all these character uh all these kids like kind of uh interacting with her and just like generally kind of getting more experience kind of like around trans people and just like uh being middle school students um but it's handled really well um and like there was an arc in which like one of the one of the show's gay characters like has a really like difficult time with his mom um because she's like really uh just like not in not very supportive um and so that was really interesting but all of this is done with like a very thick layer of humor and but it works really well um so yeah i've been enjoying that um i'm just kind of like spewing off random stuff here but uh in terms of christmas movies i watched uh elf um a couple days ago which i'd seen elf before elf is a christmas classic so i don't have much to say about that um other than it's weird watching Elf now uh, and knowing that like it's basically John Favreau's start because John Favreau has come so far since Elf. Yeah, done Iron Man, The Jungle Book, Lion King, uh, Chef, uh, now The Mandalorian, um, and a lot of things that are very much not Elf. So it's kind of interesting that that was kind of like where he at least, in terms of like popular movies, got his start. Um, and yeah, I've just also been. Continuing my my descent into uh, watching more Star Wars material. Um, last week's Mandalorian, I believe it was episode thirteen. Um, it was, was fourteen. Was it fourteen? Yeah, yeah, it was fourteen because we have two left. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. Um, I guess slight spoiler alert for that. Um, uh, the Return of Boba Fett was a ton of fun, uh, and it, I think it very much. Uh, makes it apparent why so many people love that character and why so many people think he's uh, as cool as he is because this is the first time on screen like this that we really get to see him just wreck house and it was a ton of fun to watch um and yeah uh, I think that's uh, like I could go on with other Christmas movies like the Santa Claus and, uh, and Home Alone um but we we know what those movies are um so yeah, I guess that's that's what I've been up to, what, I, what I've been up to this week. Um, cool. Yeah, I, I guess to comment a little bit on The Mandalorian, because I, I also had tuned in. Um, yeah, it's re it, it's really, really good. I This past week or so, I rewatched it with my parents, because they had not seen it, like, the entire show. Um, and yeah, just kind of rewatching that first season, because I hadn't seen the first season since it came out. Um, just kind of really, like, instilled that I really love the show and it's it just been very good from the start but I think just the last few episodes have been tremendous and yeah like you said I, it was really cool to see Boba Fett like actually doing things because he's kind of like a character who if you're a casual Star Wars fan you kind of would have assumed that he had done something cool before now like on screen but he really just kind of hasn't in the original trilogy he's just kind of walking around and saying menacing things and then he just gets very easily defeated by Luke and thrown into a pit and so yeah it was just it was cool to kind of see that character get like on-screen redemption and be like as cool and as menacing as kind of people think he is so yeah um I saw like one theory on Twitter the other day that like the reason Boba Fett died so easily is because he was basically just on Star Wars space drugs and didn't really realize what he was doing and then he got thrown into a pit, <laughs> um, which I just that think would, that, would, that would explain it. That would, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but even outside of uh, the like live action stuff with Boba Fett, because Boba Fett shows up uh, in uh, the Clone Wars animated series, I don't 
think he shows up in Rebels, which is kind of weird because I feel like Rebels would be a more like a better show for him to show up in. Um, but he's in Clone Wars quite a bit, um, and he's like a teenager in that show, so it's mostly just like teenage Boba being uh, a, a, a angsty teenager uh, and bounty hunter at the same time. Um, so like none of that was like particularly great. Um, I was I was a, a big fan of like what they did with him in the Clone Wars. But that does remind me in terms of what have I done. I did finish Rebels. Um, I, I think I talked about Rebels last week. But yeah, I finished uh, all the seasons of that. And I think that, I, I think I prefer Clone Wars to Rebels, but Rebels, uh, in the same way that Clone Wars does a good job bridging the gap between episodes two and three, uh, Rebels does a really good job kind of bridging that gap between three and four um, and just like generally showing uh, like how, where the rebellion came from um, because like, we never like really got a good look at that. Like we just kind of like saw, we've seen like some early days rebellion stuff, um, but rebels did a good job of like showing like, oh, there's all these different kind of like individual rebel cells across the galaxy. And it shows like how they came together and like formed the rebel alliance, um, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and without spoiling anything, the way the series ends is incredibly exciting. Um, I think it definitely sets up that like, they're not done with these characters. Um, obviously, uh, they, they name dropped uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn in the Mandalorian last week. Um, so we'll be seeing him back hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, and I would, anticipate, I would anticipate we'll see Ezra Bridger as well. Um, maybe Sistine Wren or Sabine Wren as well. Um, if, if you haven't watched Rebels, most of these characters probably don't mean anything to you. Um, but I am very excited about it. Um, but yeah, I guess on that note, uh, we'll just jump into our news for the week. Um, starting with some comic book things. Uh, there was a report that came out that DC is developing a female-led Plastic Man movie. Um, I have very little experience with Plastic Man. I think my only real exposure to the character was in the Flash TV show. Um, like, I haven't, can, I haven't followed that series um, pretty much at all in the past few years, but I think, like, the last season I did watch was the season that they introduced him. Um, and, yeah, he was all right. He was kind of fun. Um, nothing too, nothing too, uh, not, not a character that I like fell in love with by any means. Um, and they are, uh, like gender swapping the role for this movie, which makes me think that it's basically just going to be like a funny Elastigirl movie because like Plastic Man and Elastigirl have like the exact same powers. Um, but like, if it's a good movie, it's a good movie. So I guess I'm on board with that. It's just not something that I would have necessarily sought out. Um, but what do you think about this, David? Yeah, so, yeah, I think my my first initial thought was kind of the same as yours of like, this is just kind of like Elastigirl pretty much. But um, in, in doing some, some some more research, uh, it would seem that the characters actually differ, differ more than you might think. So I think Plastic Man is like, Instead, like he he is he is a stretchy boy and that's kind of like his main thing but he also is like i can change myself into anything and i can change my density and like i think he can also like change his like chemical components or whatever so i think he's more of like i can make myself into different objects than just like stretching kind of thing um again there's not really that much difference um and I, so you had mentioned uh, him in the Flash. I think you are uh, you are mistaken here because the el the elongated man is in the Flash, and Plastic Man is is what this is. And well, you are absolutely not at fault because those characters are pretty much the same thing. But I looked it up, and they are different 
and I don't know why DC has two characters that basically do the same thing, but, um, but yeah, so, so there is a slight difference. Apparently a plastic man is slightly more powerful than the elongated man. So that's kind of funny. Yeah. I definitely then watched that entire season of the flash under the wrong impression of what character was on screen, which I think is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, um, I guess that's that. Uh, yep. The only other comic book thing we've got this week deals with uh, the Hawkeye Disney Plus series that's in the works. Uh, we've known the show was in the works for a while, and there's been a lot of rumors and reports going around basically for the last year um, that Haley Steinfeld was going to be playing Kate Bishop in this show, but that was never like officially confirmed until this week when they started shooting and there were pictures that came out of Haley Steinfeld on set as Kate Bishop. Um, which, yeah, it was just incredibly exciting to see. I think it's excellent casting. Um, but also this week with Hawkeye, we got uh, the like full cast announced, which includes the likes of Florence Pugh uh, reprising her role from Black Widow, which we'll see hopefully within the next six months or so. I don't know, we'll find out, I guess. Um, but then also Vera Farmiga has joined the cast, Tony Dalton and a bunch of others. Um, and yeah, it's very exciting. Um, yeah, I... I think a Hawkeye show on Disney Plus could be really good. Um, I'm curious to see like when the show actually comes out because um, we get the first Marvel Disney Plus show, uh, which is WandaVision in like just over a month. And so I'm curious to see like how frequently we're gonna get these shows. If we're gonna get like a new Marvel show like every few months, which kind of seems to be what is gonna be happening because they are developing a lot of these shows because uh, there's Hawkeye, there's Falcon and Winter Soldier, there's uh, She-Hulk, there's Miss Marvel, there's all of these different shows that, they, that they're working on. So yeah, it's exciting to see that they've started shooting this. I think, um, I don't know much about the character of Kate Bishop, um, but I'm excited to see Haley Steinfeld joining the MCU. And yeah, Florence Pugh. Um, I'm excited to see her coming back like outside of Black Widow. Um, there's been reports that she's also in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier show. Um, which is why they delayed that show until after WandaVision because they want that show to come out after Black Widow. That way uh, people are introduced to her there, which I guess would make sense. Um, but yeah, I guess in general, yeah, it's a Hawkeye show. So take that for what it's worth. Some people really like this character. Some people could care less. So hopefully this show will give him like a little bit more of an audience. Um, but yeah, what do you think, David? Yeah, I think with with a show like Arrow, they've shown that, you know, you can do kind of a fun archer based <laughs> uh, a superhero kind of show. Um, and yeah, I think I think it, it definitely could be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I really like Haley Steinfeld. Um, she was great in uh, Dickinson, which was a show on um, Apple TV plus like that I saw like a year ago. Um, and yeah, I think isn't Vera Farmiga isn't she reportedly playing her mom? I, I think, think so. said. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like that character, they'll probably be like, there's more than meets the eye with her. Cause I feel like you don't cast someone like Vera Farmiga just to like play the mom of, of like a character kind of kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, I'm really excited about this. I think it will definitely be a lot of fun. And I, I like, I like the idea of Florence Pugh kind of becoming like the new Black Widow kind of character and like she can just kind of pop up in different things. I think that would, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. And that kind of seems to be what they're doing with their character, um, which I, I don't know a lot about the character Florence Pugh is playing, um, but I anticipate that'll change once once Black Widow comes out, 
which hopefully that's sooner rather than later. Disney's got a big investor meeting on Thursday, so maybe we'll hear something about it then. Um, but yeah, speaking of Disney, uh, there was a report that came out uh, this week that they are uh, considering merging Disney Plus and Hulu into one streaming service. Um, I don't have a lot to say about this. Um, I kind of don't believe the report. I, I, I don't know. I think it would just be like, I think it's a good idea um, because Disney obviously has a majority share on Hulu and then Disney Plus is their own service. So it kind of would make sense for them just to merge those into one thing. Um, that way they just kind of have all their eggs in the same basket. Um, but also I feel like Disney Plus and Hulu are very different services um, and both have their own audiences and Hulu has been around basically. I feel like Hulu has been around as long as Netflix. It's never as like popular yeah. as Netflix, but it's like one of like the one of like the first few streaming services to really catch on. So I feel like I feel like they would not get rid of the Disney Plus name. And so they would just end up merging Hulu into that. Um, and I'd be sad to see Hulu go because I actually really enjoy Hulu. Um, but yeah, what do you think about this? Yeah, I I think I still like have Hulu because of that student deal that you can get with Spotify. Um, but I never really use it. I, what really the only way I like used Hulu in the past was kind of as, because and I don't really know if this one they still do, but kind of the main thing that attracted me to Hulu was that you could watch shows like the day after they aired, like they would just go up on Hulu and like with certain, with a pretty good amount of shows, um, they would have like the most recent five episodes of the show. And like the day after a new episode would air, the like mo the least recent one would go down and then like the new one would come up. And so, yeah, I, I thought that was, that was good. I've never really watched any i've never watched any of the hulu like originals and the only one i really know of is uh, uh handmaid's tale mm -hmm. but yeah i mean i think it on one hand it would kind of make sense but if hulu is still wanting to do stuff like the handmaid's tale it's definitely not family entertainment and definitely is more of kind of a uh a mature tv show then i don't think that would really make sense to move it to disney plus because handmaid's tale on disney plus would be very weird so um I feel like it would make sense to probably keep them separate, but also I could, yeah. I, I would definitely see the logic behind combining them. Yeah. The only way I could see this working is if like the reports that like Disney is adding like an adult section to Disney plus um, if they, if that is true, um, I think that would uh, end up making it a lot easier to merge Hulu into Disney plus um, because yeah, shows like, uh, like Hands Me and Tail could go in there, but then also just like random shows that are on Hulu. Like I've been watching a lot of like Bob's Burgers and King of the Hill on Hulu. And I feel like neither of those are particular, well, Bob's Burgers isn't too bad. Um, I mean, neither is King of the Hill, but neither of those are like children centric uh, cartoons. They're more like geared towards adults. Um, so I, I feel like it'd be a little weird to see those just in the general like Disney plus homepage. But if there was like another section for that, I could see that working out. Um, but yeah, moving on from there, uh, last week we talked to, I feel like every week we're talking about Oscar Isaac uh, joining some new project. Um, and this week it happens to be uh, the Metal Gear Solid movie that's been in development for, I feel like this movie has been in development for like a decade by now. Um, it just hasn't happened. Um, but Oscar Isaac has been cast as the lead Solid Snake. Um, Metal Gear Solid is, is, a video, is a popular video game franchise. Um, I don't know much about this. Uh, much about the games I believe they're a PlayStation exclusive but I don't know that for sure I remember my friends playing them on like the PlayStation 2 when I was a kid um, and that's really my only uh, my only experience with this with this series 
Um, so yeah, I don't have much to say. Um, I'm a big fan of Oscar Isaac, so I'm just excited to see him getting more big projects. Um, but yeah, you have any thoughts here, David? Yeah, I really, I, I know I'm kind of the, the resident video game guru on this podcast, but I really have no knowledge of Metal Gear Solid really at all. Really, the only thing I know is that there's a lot of like box-based stealth mechanics and you can hide in the box and sneak around in a, in a, in a big box. So hopefully, hopefully they'll put that box in uh that, that that element in into into the movie that they do so yeah um another another big franchise that i guess got a bit of a boost this week is the kingsman franchise um so uh the marv group uh see so marv group is like kind of another uh, film development company um that produced kingsman movies um and they recently got a new ceo and he says that they're pretty much like all in on the kingsman franchise um, as of now, there's only two Kingsman movies out. There's the first one in 27, from 2017 that I actually really enjoy. Um, and then the second one, I believe, or no, the first one was from like 2015 or 14 or something. And then the second one came out in 2017. Yeah, the first um, one was 2014, second one 2017. Yeah, uh, and the second one, I, I remember enjoying it when I watched it, uh, but I've never actually went back to it um, as at least nearly... Uh, I haven't went back to the second one, but I watched the first one uh, pretty regularly. Um, but uh, he says that, yeah, they're all in on this. And he was quoted as saying that they have something like seven more Kingsman movies in development, as well as a TV series, which like, I'm a fan of this franchise. I'm excited for more Kingsman movies. Obviously there's the, there's the, the Kingsman, uh, the kind of prequel spinoff thing with, uh, with Ralph Fiennes. Uh, that was supposed to come out this year and I think is now pushed somewhere to 2021. I don't know. Um, but I think that looks interesting. Um, but I think having seven more movies in development is kind of a lot. Um, I feel like whenever any franchise, unless it's like something like Star Wars or Marvel or something like that, uh, has this many movies in development, they almost never end up happening. Like, I guess this kind of just reminds me of like, prior to um, the release of Guy Ritchie's uh, King Arthur movie, when he was talking about how like, he wanted to make movies for like all the members of the Knights of the Round Table and they had like eight movies or something uh, involving this franchise in development. It was gonna be their own universe. Um, and then King Arthur came out and made no money and we never got any of those movies. Um, I feel like it's kind of just gonna be the same thing. I'm really, interesting, really interested to see what a Kingsman TV series would be like. Um, I feel like that could work pretty well, um, but I don't know if I'm quite on board for like seven more movies. Um, David, I, you haven't seen any of the Kingsman movies, have you? I've seen the first one. So, um, yeah, having seen the first one, how does how does the idea of getting seven more strike you? I don't really want it to be honest. <laughs> like I I think I like the first one. I think I need to watch it again because it's been a while. But I wasn't like blown away by it as much as I thought I was going to be kind of based on what everyone had said about it um and yeah I I didn't see the second one because I did not hear it was very good um and I kind of feel like yeah like with the first one it was a really big deal and it made a ton of money and people were really into it and I think just ever since the second one was just kind of meh like I don't I think interest has dropped off a lot from from this franchise and I think being like we're going to make seven more of these when there are really only two that have come out and you've <laughs> one's been good. One's been bad. So like your hit rate is already not great. Uh, I think that's just a little bit premature. 
Um, and yeah, I will, I will eat my hat if seven more Kingsman movies actually come out. So yeah, I'm just surprised that this franchise has even done as well as it has. Cause like the first one came out and was very well received. Um, but it like didn't do super great at the box office. Like it did fine. Huh. Um, it wasn't like a big box office hit or anything. Um, so I was surprised when it got a second one. Um, and now it's getting another spinoff and potentially seven more movies. And I just, I don't know how we got here. Um, but I guess we'll see how it goes. Um, and yeah, moving on from there, uh, we'll jump into our main topic for the week. And our main topic for the week involves the biggest news story for the week, kind of the elephant in the room. Um, and that was the news uh, that came out of Warner Brothers that their entire 2021 schedule, which consists of roughly like 16 or 17 movies, um, is going to be debuting on HBO Max day and date, uh, which means that uh, the day these movies start playing in theaters, they will be available on HBO Max at no additional charge, um, which is obviously kind of a big deal. Um, notably, uh, the movies are only going to be on HBO Max for about a month, um, and then they're going to be uh, removed from HBO Max to let the full theatrical window play out. Um, and then after that, they'll go to VOD and DVD and all that kind of stuff, and then eventually probably come back to HBO Max probably, I don't know, roughly like six months later or something. But for that first initial month, which is usually where most movies make uh, a majority of their money, it will be available on HBO Max, um, which, yeah, this is kind of, I don't know. I personally think this is a really smart move on Warner Brothers, uh, on Warner Brothers part. Um, and I think it's really uh, I think it's bold and I think it's uh, them kind of just getting ahead of the curve because we've kind of generally seen a shift to streaming over the past few years. Um, this is kind of just the way the industry is going. Um, and I think that prior to COVID, um, I kind of had a rough estimate of a 10 year timeline or something where like everything would like kind of slowly shift over to streaming and like movie theaters would become like less and less, uh, less and less popular, I guess. Um, but with COVID, um, everything's kind of been expedited because everyone's stuck at home and like nobody's going to movie theaters. And so this kind of the, the dramatic, I guess, death of movie theaters is what a lot of people are saying. Um, personally, I don't think movie theaters are ever gonna like go away. I think they're always gonna be around, um, but I don't think that they're gonna necessarily play the same role as they always have. Um, I think that they'll kind of more become become more of like almost like an art house thing. I think there's going to be a lot of like film buffs that like are very, very into the theatrical movie experience that are keep, going to keep companies like like an Alamo draft house and that kind of stuff alive. Um, and then maybe you'll have like a few big uh, cineplexes for uh, for movies like Avengers for people that really want to see that on the big screen. But I think that most like mid-level movies um, you're going to end up seeing just going directly to streaming. Um, and yeah, it's kind of sad. Um, but also this is just kind of the way the industry is going. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. Again, I have mixed feelings on it, but also it's just kind of since Warner brothers, like made this announcement, it kind of feels like the cat's been let out of the bag. Um, and I don't know if there's really any going back to that because like this starts in a few weeks with Warner with Wonder Woman 1984, uh, which comes out on Christmas and that'll be available on HBO Max the day of. Um, and I feel like a lot of people are just going to kind of get used to that, um, being able to see these movies 
pretty much right away in the comfort of their own homes. Um, and they're, when that is an option, I feel like most people are going to opt to do that because it's both cheaper uh, and more comfortable. Um, and yeah, so you're not, I think it's going to have a dramatic effect on just the theater industry as a whole. Um, but yeah, uh, what, what do you think, David? And we'll, we'll have a, a, lo a longer discussion here. Um, but yeah, what are your just kind of initial thoughts on this? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's definitely sad. I think that was kind of, I, I was really surprised when this happened. Um, I guess thinking about it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, but I, you know, it still was kind of jarring to, to hear about this. Um, you know, I absolutely love the movie going experience. I love, I love going to, to movie theaters and just, just the entire experience of it. I'm really into, um, but I think that pro probably that, that model I think was starting to get outdated in general for a lot of studios. And I think COVID has really kind of shown that, uh, like has, has, has kind of really exploited all like the weaknesses with that model. Um, and so I, you know, I guess, depending on how this kind of whole year goes with them. And, and they've said, they're like, oh, this is a special one-time thing for only this year. But I, I think that's only just them kind of saying that. Um, if this does really, you know, if they make a lot of money on this um, and they don't really see like a steep drop-off in how much money they would normally make by just putting this out in theaters, I think you absolutely will see many other studios following suit and kind of, never really going back to that same model that that it was before and that's kind of sad to me um but I, th I think it makes sense and I think you know for people who you know aren't super big movie nerds like we are I think it will make a lot of sense and I think for certain movies you know you don't have to see every movie on a big screen or at least that's how kind of some people think and and you know certainly once 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 things are safe again and it's safe to go to movie theaters I'm definitely going to be like you know, I've, I'm, I'm craving a movie theater experience. So I'm, I'm probably going to go a lot, but I think once we kind of settle back into it, I definitely would be okay with certain movies that aren't, you know, big blockbusters or, you know, just are, aren't known for their like visual spectacle. I definitely can see myself being like, oh, there's this, you know, there's this Oscar contender that's coming out. that's just, you know, some period drama. Like I can definitely see myself not needing to see that on a big screen and just being like yeah sure i'll watch that on my computer or on my tv um so i think it makes a lot of sense in the long term i think because not everybody really cares about seeing things on a big screen or just not everything on a big screen so but yeah i think it's it's sad um for you know it's sad for for the movie th for the movie theater industry it's sad for i think the filmmakers who are making these movies and we'll get into that a little bit later um because you know you're not, their work isn't being shown as they're intending it to be. Um, but yeah, I think it, it makes sense and was probably inevitable even without something like COVID, but I think COVID has just kind of sped it up. Yeah, in terms of Warner Brothers saying this is like kind of a unique one year uh, release schedule, I think they're only saying that to kind of, uh, cover themselves just in case this like doesn't work um, because then they can just say, oh yeah, you know, it was a one year thing and then go back to it. But chances are this is going to be successful. And I think when it's successful, um, this is not going to be a one year thing. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of other studios follow suit. Um, I think, I don't know, 
per, I think my, my, my and a lot of people's eyes are on Disney right now because again, Disney's got a big investor meeting on Thursday, um, which we'll get a lot of big announcements from. Um, there's reports going around that they're gonna announce like new Marvel movies and new Star Wars movies and like lots of big stuff then um, because they usually announce a lot of big stuff in their like annual investors meeting in December. Um, but so I think if Disney's gonna do something like this, we'll hear about it on Thursday. Um, but I guess to kind of uh, provide some context here, like the like 17 movies is uh, what uh, Warner Brothers is putting on HBO Max. Um, and it starts with Wonder Woman 84 uh, in yeah a few weeks. Um, and then in no particular order, it's Godzilla versus Kong, um, DC's The Suicide Squad, uh, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, uh, In the Heights, Dune, uh, The Matrix 4, uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead, uh, the Little Things, um, both of those, I don't know what they are. Um, then there's The Many Saints of Newark, which I believe is their movie that's kind of a prequel to, um, oh, why, why am I blanking on it? Uh, uh, yeah, The Sopranos. Um, and then also Mortal Kombat, uh, the new Tom and Jerry movie we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, Reminiscence, uh, King Richard, Judas and the Black Messiah, um, Malignant, which Malignant, is the new film, the new horror film from James Wan, um, and then Space Jam, A New Legacy, which is obviously a sequel to Space Jam. So yeah, those are all the movies that are getting put on put on HBO Max. Um, so yeah, there's obviously some very big uh, blockbusters in there, obviously like Godzilla vs. Kong, Dune, Suicide Squad, Matrix 4, but then also a lot of their smaller movies. Um, and yeah, so I guess there, were, there was something else I wanted to say with that, but I cannot remember what it was. So it's, yeah, I think Warner Brothers is definitely trying to get HBO Max to be a lot more successful than it currently is. Because as I've said before on this podcast, I think uh, HBO Max is probably one of the best streaming services out there right now. Um, but yet it's also significantly lagging behind its competitors like Disney Plus and Netflix, um, both of which are obviously Netflix has always done extremely well, but Disney Plus has just kind of exploded over the past year or so. Um, and HBO Max is yeah lagging behind a solid amount. So I think they're hoping that this will drive a lot more subscriber growth. Um, there's been a lot of uh, people that have HBO already that just haven't signed up for HBO Max yet, even though it's free, they're just kind of not aware of it. Um, so I think uh, Warner Brothers is really trying to kind of put all their PR uh, onto HBO Max to make that be a thing. Um, and yeah, I think one of the really smart things with doing this is that, so with Disney Plus, at least right now, uh, really the only like big Disney Plus original thing they have is The Mandalorian. Um, and there's a lot of people that sign up for Disney Plus for The Mandalorian, and then as soon as it's done, kind of stop paying for it until like something new comes out and they start paying for it again. Um, but with what HBO Max is doing here, um, so yeah, they've got these 17 movies and they're gonna space them out. And so you get these movies for a month at a time. And so like, if you want to watch Wonder Woman 1984, you sign up for a month of HBO Max then, uh, but then like about a month later, another big movie is gonna come out. And so they're hoping that that'll just kind of keep people subscribed um, continuously. Um, because there's always going to be like a next uh, new big movie, um, just either a few weeks or maybe a month later. And I think that's really smart. Uh, I think it's, we'll see how well it works. We'll see if people are interested in the movies they have. Um, but yeah, I think 
Warner Brothers is <laughs> Warner Brothers is kind of making money moves uh, with with what they're doing here, um, and I'm really curious to see how well it pays off. If it pays off at all, um, I think it will. Um, but yeah, obviously, we'll see a year from now what the standing is. Um, but yeah, uh, another kind of interesting aspect of this is um, the aspect of uh, like how directors and like actors feel about this, um, because notably when Warner Brothers made this announcement, they really hadn't communicated it to anybody prior. Um, they had told like a couple movie theater chains, uh, like AMC, like an hour before the announcement came. But in terms of like directors and actors and that kind of stuff and just talent agencies, they had no heads up that this was coming. And I think that was a purposeful decision because now that they have like said, this is what we're doing, um, you're not gonna get a lot of um, like actors um, and agencies trying to kind of renegotiate their deals because a lot of actors and directors get like back end profits off of um, the theatrical um, runs of these movies. And since there's no, I mean, there will be theatrical runs, but like most people are gonna be watching them at home. And so that dramatically affects uh, their, their kind of bonuses there. Um, and so I think that's gonna be interesting because I think they'll figure something out. I think they'll uh, end up making some sort of uh, deal with all of these different um, all these different talents. But I think by making the announcement first prior to consulting them, that kind of uh, gives Warner Brothers the upper hand here um, because like, again, the announcement's already out there. There's no going back on that. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess, what, what, do you, what do you think about all that? Or do you have anything to add there, uh, David? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's definitely not great that Warner Brothers didn't communicate this very, very effectively to really any of the parties involved. And yeah, I think, you know, I think they definitely would deserve to know, you know, actors and directors and and the movie chain. So, you know, they're all they're all affected by it, I think, to varying degrees, obviously. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think maybe the group, the groups I feel like the most bad for, definitely the movie chains, obviously, the movie theater chains, um, because you know they are severely impacted, going to be severely impacted by this, um, and then I think definitely like directors as well, because yeah, like I said, like you know they were expecting their 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 work to be shown in a different light than it will be to a lot of people. Um, and I know Christopher Nolan has been yes yeah specifically very vocal about that. Um, yeah, and I think for actors, you know, sure, like they they usually get you know. Uh, some of the box office, a certain percentage in their contracts and stuff, but I'm sure they'll, they will all be doing fine. <laughs> um, yeah. Even without those, 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 uh, a couple millions of dollars or, or, or whatever that they might, that they potentially might lose. So. Yeah. Uh, another kind of interesting, I guess, business aspect to this, um, deals with, uh, legendary pictures, um, and legendary pictures is uh, yeah, a production company, um, that's fairly popular, but they notably over the past couple of years haven't been doing too well financially. Um, and two of the movies on this list, uh, specifically Godzilla versus Kong and Dune are legendary pictures productions. Um, and legendary fronted most of the upfront costs for the productions of these movies. I believe like with Dune, like it was reported that they paid for basically 75% of the production budget here. Um, and we're expecting to get a solid percent of that back from theaters. Um, and Warner Brothers didn't consult them before making this announcement. 
So as a result of that, Legendary Pictures is now suing Warner Brothers um, because they've put all of this money into these movies and they don't think they're going to be able to get it back because like they're their uh the money that they get back is directly tied to how much money these movies make theatrically um and obviously that number is going to significantly decline from where they thought it was going to be as a result of this um and so i think that's really interesting i don't think this is the last lawsuit we're going to see about this um i'm curious to see where where the case goes if they even have a case um but yeah i think i suppose just in general with this situation we're just kind of seeing the the movie theater and movie industry landscape as a whole change, um, which is kind of what I was saying earlier. But like it's changing a lot faster now as a result of COVID than it than it previously was, um, because like yeah, the movie theater like theatrical model that we that we had prior to all this um, has kind of just been the norm for the movie industry basically since the start of movies, like for like the last hundred or so years. Um, and now it's kind of having a very unceremonious end. Um, and nobody really knows what to do um, because like the, the studios are doing what's best for them. Um, but that's also kind of uh, at the expense of movie theaters. Cause like they're cutting out the middleman uh, and just going directly to consumer. But the unfortunate side of that is the middleman here is movie theaters. Um, and I think a lot of movie theaters are really gonna hurt as a result of this. Like uh, when I was in high school, I worked at a, a small town movie theater that was just kind of a local chain. Um, and yeah, I imagine this would this is not gonna affect them in a very positive way. Um, Cause I think a lot of like big chains like AMC are gonna be fine because they're the largest chain in the US. Um, but I think a lot of smaller chains are going to be very hurt by this because they're uh, still like they prior to all this, they were still struggling to get by because they don't have uh, as massive of a, of a, of a I guess, uh, they're not as big of a company and they don't have as much to like fall back on. Um, and so I think we're going to see a lot of small theaters closing as a result of this. Um, if not as a result purely of Warner Brothers, but like just the general um, industry's move towards streaming. Um, because again, I don't think Warner Brothers is going to be the only studio to do this. Um, Disney might end up doing it. Paramount has their own streaming service now. Um, basically, every studio has their own, has somewhere that they can put their stuff online uh, on streaming. I think Sony is really the only studio that doesn't have their own dedicated streaming service at this point. Um, so yeah, it's sad. Um, but also this is just kind of the way, this is just kind of the way the business works, I guess, which kind of, which sucks. Um, but like, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of just general moviegoers that aren't like super invested in all of this are going to be very happy with this. I think it's going to be a lot more convenient for a lot of people. It's going to be a lot cheaper for a lot of people. Um, and it's just going to be a lot more, uh, yeah, I think it's going to make it a lot easier for families to watch movies like this together on a more regular basis. Um, but unfortunately, that's, yeah, at the expense of, of movie theaters, which I, I, like you said earlier, like movie, seeing a movie in a theater, I, I think is the way to watch a movie. It's like the um, best like experience you can, you can get watching a movie. Um, like watching a movie at home is like, obviously you get the gist of the movie, but the, the overall experience is not the same. 
um, unless you have the money to make some big home theater. Uh, and even then, like, I, obviously I, I don't, I, not the kind of money I have. Um, and even then I anticipate it's not the same. Um, but yeah, so obviously some of this is just kind of initial reactions um, to this big news. Um, and so we'll see, we'll see what happens as the dust settles here. Um, and as uh, other studios kind of signal what they're gonna do. Um, but yeah, there's really no, no good place to end it here. Uh, no good, like final, final thing. It's just kind of a to be continued, I guess. Um, but yeah, I guess, David, do you have any, any kind of closing general thoughts, uh, on any of this, any or all of it? Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously COVID has, you know, impacted so many corners of society and of, and of, and of human life. Um, and, and, and one of them is the movie industry, I think, you know, in the overall grand scheme, scheme of things, it's not, it's, it's, it's not anywhere close to the, the greatest impact that COVID has had certainly, but you know, it's, 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 it's sad definitely. And I, you know, I haven't seen a movie in a theater. I've only seen one since March and that was Tenet when it came out in September. Um, and yeah, I miss that definitely. And I very much look forward to the day when I can, you know, just, go out and see a movie, you know, you know, every weekend or, or every other weekend, kind of like I usually did. So yeah, hopefully we'll get there soon. And hopefully, um, you know, even, even in a, a large shift of the industry, hopefully movie theaters are not completely left behind. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. But and, unless we have anything else to say, do we want to, do we want to wrap it up here? Yeah, I, th I think uh, it's, it's a good place, a good at, a good as place as any, so. Cool. Um, so yeah, this has been uh, Cinebraskans, the Daily Nebraskan Entertainment Podcast. Uh, as always, I've been your host, Kyle Cruz, joined by my co-host. David Berman. And yeah, um, have a, have, we'll be back next week, um, but have a, have a happy holiday and thanks for tuning in. See ya.